Welcome in, welcome in, welcome friends to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. What if, Seahawks, what if? I am your host, Clinton Bonner. Please find me out on Twitter, at Clinton Bonn. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Find him out on Twitter, at SeahawkersPod. And of course, it would not be what if. It wouldn't be the most interesting, most unique Seahawks preview show in the multiverse without the protector of the multiverse, and that is Mr. Phil Lydic coming in with a, with a, you know, more a smattering of what could happen, what can happen as we, you know, go against the, the 40 whiners. They're surging, we're purging, right? They're leaning towards first, we're careening off an edge. It's not been a great year, but we want to talk Seahawks. We want to traverse the multiverse and see what's possible. So we're bringing in the protector himself. So Mr. Phil, what do you got lined up this week as we as we take on a, a rival in what should be, should have been a really important game, which right now just feels like just another game, a jag. Yes, thank you, Clinton. Thank you, Clinton. I don't know about you two, but I'm always excited for the 40 Winer matchup. It's something to look forward to. I'm sure uh, everyone's already heard a lot of your thoughts on the previous game. And so we're looking ahead to this particular game. I don't know where the thoughts are as we look forward to this, but I believe right in the what if experience that we have here on this episode, we're going to find out quite a bit what Brandon and Clinton are expecting to feel as they head into the game. But of course, it's always a surprise, you know, when you get into a game, how you're going to end up experiencing it. I mean, you might, during the game, you might almost give up, almost give up. I know uh, Brandon kept just about going to go read with his precious little girl over and over, and he just couldn't quit. You know, it was about we, an hour. I, I felt like, I, from when I started saying that I'm, I'm out, I'm done with this game, to when I was actually done with, the game against Washington, it may have been about an hour. They kept me hanging on that long. Yes, yes. We are and the And it not almost paid off. I, it almost paid off. It could have been awesome. Every single game, when just to be able to hang in there and have the possibility, it could have been awesome. It started to get fun, like, right there at that drive. All of a sudden, it was you kind of feel like, Russ, could you just have fun sooner could you come out and have some fun and i hope you're expecting to have some fun on the what if podcast that's why you have it in your ear that's why you turned it on and it's always fun to play the 49ers in fact i'm just about every time it is fun russ and pete together and almost every time bobby they are 15 and four in the regular season against this team plus not only in the regular season but they have a beautiful beautiful win of course in the postseason that we all remember quite well. So Santa Clara, of course, this year they've won three in a row, as Clinton was pointing toward. We've lost six of seven. We've lost six of seven, which means this game could be very, very delicious for us. This might be one of the tastiest treats we get to have this year. How delicious would it be if we can ruin their streak, send them plunging back toward their rightful place (laughs) in the bottom of the NFC West? That's what we want to help them do. Kick them and push them down and go right past them. And so on this what if episode, we're going to ask this question. What if the Hawks, what if they stop the whiners? What if they stop the whiners? And that might include a lot more people than just the 40 whiners. But what if they stop them? Here's the categories to be thinking ahead. 
Number one, stop your whining. And I'm looking at me as I say that. Stop your whining. Number two, whiners and losers. Solving some accountability issues. And then last of all, call the wambulance. <laughs> what if the wambulance is coming for the faithful again? What if that's going to happen? And so stop your whining. Episode 13, we're going to send this one to Brandon. Here we're going to get personal because I've, I've wanted to do that a little bit myself. Is there something specific that the Hawks can do this week to help you not whine quite so much as we look ahead? And I, when I talk to my children, I say, you know, that if, if there's a squabble, if there's something going on, you're in charge of yourself. And if you make a wrong, two wrongs aren't going to make a right, you're accountable for you. But at the same time, the other party can provoke, right? And so they need to learn to remove the provocation. How can the Hawks, what can they do? If you're looking at this, I'd like to see them stop this so I won't be so tempted, Brandon, <laughs> to whine while and maybe a little bit after I'm watching the game, Brandon. When I think about the things that I'm whining about the most with regard to the Seahawks, and I, my mind goes to the defense because there's been so many times this year where the defense is giving up these 10, 11, 12 play drives to garbage teams. And, uh, and it's, it's, I say that knowing losing to garbage teams makes us maybe slightly worse than a garbage team, but uh, <laughs> and, and that's, that's what gets me whining about it. But it's these 10, 11 play drives that just kill me. So if the, if the Seahawks defense can get off the field, if they can make some three and outs happen, shoot, I'll settle for six and outs at this point. I just, I want to see the defense get to a third down and make a stop before the opposing team is crossing the middle of the field on their own side of the field. That would help you stop. Why if their punter comes out to, to catch the ball and kick it on his own side of the field, like it snapped from his own side of the field, you would just whine a little bit less. I would, wouldn't you? Brandon? Yeah. How about let's define it as my whining line as the punter standing behind their own 35. So as long it's as he's no longer catching, midfield, it is the Brandon Schultz whining line. It's, it's, it's my whining line. All right. How about you, Clinton? How about you? Excellent. So there's, yeah, it's definitely, there's definitely a thin red line here somewhere that I feel like I'm about, I, I may be crossing soon, but to another thing that I think lots of Seahawks fans do complain and whine about. And then I do on occasion as well. And I've come around to this a lot more is the, the super conservative play uh, of whatever punting on fourth and two punting from the 48 punting from, you know, your, the, you know, the opponents 46, whatever it might be so that the midfield hyper conservatism, when it comes to, you know, just putting the offense down and trying, trying to forge through that. It didn't really show up last game. That wasn't a thing, but we do it a lot. That's something we do a lot. We punt in, punt in some scenarios and it really gets people's ire up. We're the the pitch out to Dallas, the the fourth down after that, that the flip where it was, nine. <laughs> oh, well, the, yeah, the pitch out to Dallas. Yeah, but so if that they was, would have gone for it on fourth down there. That those are the types of moments that yes, because we're at about. we're at the forty ish yard line, right? So it's like you know what, and we had momentum at that point of the game, right? So that's a good one where it was on the borderline of of 
you know, other coaches, I think wouldn't flinch. They'd be, they'd be, they wouldn't even think about it. It's just like, dude, we're going for it. No, no doubt about it. Obviously we have a different type of coach right now. So that would be the thing that would, I think, ease some of the whining because, because if you miss them, if you, if you don't get those fourth down ones, well, then it's like, well, it's what I asked for, right? I asked to, to try those. You I got could, what you wanted. I probably, I probably would fi- find it, you know, a fault in the play call at that point and say something <laughs> about that, but it would stop the whining and the, you know, I got what I wanted. We were more aggressive in the middle of that field where we've struggled so friggin' mightily. So eight-year-old Clinton, if Pete was your dad and he said, okay, you can have the five pounds of chocolate, but don't whine if it gives you a bellyache and you'll say, okay, I got it. Just be aggressive on fourth down. Just try it and see how it goes. I'll promise not to whine. Especially at three and eight. And and for the love of Pete Carroll, don't give the ball to Adrian Peterson, please. Oh my gosh. Why AP? Why? But that's okay. And anyway. don't count on these backup linemen to do anything. Open the way for DJ <laughs> Dallas to get one yard on third down. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, Clinton, if our currently bad team defeats the 40 Winer team again, <laughs> what do you expect their fans to whine about most? Because I still hear them whine about the NFC championship game. They still are whining. If we if we knock them back down, what are they going to be whining about? Uh, what do you anticipate after this game? Yeah. So knowing the, 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 the terrible base of fans that they are, uh, and they are terrible. Um, they would, they would whine. Let's say we, we somehow win this game. I don't think we're going to just for the record, but let's say we win this game 21, 17 or something of that ilk. Um, they're going to complain about the lack of Debo Samuel. They're going to say like, that's going to be the anchor, like which, you know, it, it, but, that it, it's it's a rightful thing. I'm not saying to complain about, but we just didn't have our guy. Like I think we faced sure. him a couple of years ago. Oh, we're you know, no Kittle, no this. Like, yeah, dude, Kittle wasn't it, there. That's the only reason they lost. It, yeah. It's the NFL. Like everybody deals with injuries and, and at this point, COVID outings and things like that. Like that's that's life in the NFL. So grow up, you know, Peter Pan. But that's what they'll go to. They'll talk about Debo not being there, the loss of the dynamicism because of that. And blah, blah, blah. And, and, and that'll be the main thing they complain about. So I'm looking forward to that. What do you think, Brandon? Other than Debo, do you see something else they'll be whining about and we beat them? They, they will be whining after this game because I know that Jimmy Garoppolo is due for a turnover game. And when he has his turnover games, then that's when 49er fans start whining about the fact that Kyle Shanahan, his starting Garoppolo in the first place. They they want to see their third overall pick in the game and getting snaps. And yes, they still believe that they're going to the playoffs, even though they, I don't think that they are, because this will be one of the steps on their way back down. They had this three-game stretch that things are going great for them because, yes, they beat the Rams, a team that they own, uh, much like we own the 49ers. They play the Jaguars. And yeah. then they get lucky against Minnesota, essentially, because Minnesota just grants them turnovers in the in the red zone and makes it easy for them to to score points and, and run up the score. And they still gave the ball back to Minnesota at the end of the game for a chance at a game tying drive. And uh, yeah, so I as much as they were gifted an easy not an easy win, but you know, some easy points in that game against the Vikings. I think 
the Seahawks, despite their record, they're going to make it a lot tougher on them. And so they're going to be whining about why isn't Trey Lance in this game? Let's get our next category. This one will go to Brandon, whiners and losers, solving some accountability issues. Is there an area that you think the Hawks players can take more ownership of? And I'm talking about players, you know, losers make excuses. We want solutions. Who needs to take accountability and where on this team? Um, Brand, I mean, maybe there's some that are really obvious, maybe less, maybe you want to touch on a couple of both, but who needs to take some accountability and where when I talk about players, Brandon? I think when I, I think of accountability, my you know, my mind in terms of players goes straight to the quarterback. And what we've heard from Russ is that his finger isn't bothering him. So then I would like some accountability as to what is bothering him because the Russell Wilson that we've seen these past three weeks, it's not the Russell Wilson that we know. We see the glimpses of it, you know, on that that dart that he throws to Gerald Everett in the end zone, uh, on that final drive against Washington where he drives and, and scores the touchdown, gets it to Freddie Swain. He's even running for a first down. Why do why are we only getting glimpses of that Russell Wilson and not more of the one that we've come accustomed to. And and is is the finger, if it's bothering him, well, I, I suppose he isn't going to say it as a, as a way yeah. to uh, uh, let the opponents know that is it is, in fact, bothering him. But I think there would be a way for him to be more accountable uh, with regard to, you know, owning up to making sure guys get the ball, seeing things on the field better. Is he aiming? Have you noticed? Is he over aiming? Remember when he could just smooth, let it rip? And even on his good throws, it, doesn't it seem like he's like over aiming or overthinking? Whatever it is, it's 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 just a little bit. It's taking him a little bit longer than I think that we're used to. It's like glitchy a little bit, it seems. Yeah. And I don't know if it's in his head. He misses his counselor. I'm not sure what it is. But if he does take some accountability... Do you think there's some things he can fix or just say, well, this is, I'm broken right now. I mean, how will accountability help Russell improve where he's, because obviously this team would have a lot more wins if Russell was being Russell. Yeah. I I think he can recognize those, those different plays that maybe he's more comfortable with that uh, allow him to, you know, really kind of get in that groove. There's no flow with the offense. And what we need to do is he and Shane need to get together and really find out what those what those plays are, how they can attack zone defense uh, better, because that's that's really what seems to be bugging them the most is is really finding the plays that can beat zone defense because everybody they're just dropping back. And and so even when they run those little swing out plays with the short throws that allows those defenders to really rally to the to the receiver. And they're keeping them to short gains. So they have to find some ways to beat those zone plays so they can get teams playing in man a little bit more. And, and that way, I think it, it makes their offense a little more diverse. All right, Clinton. I think almost every Hawk fan agrees that Russell needs to take some accountability. What that looks like, I'm not sure. Who else might need to take some accountability and where would that be? Yeah, that's a, that's a, and great stuff there uh, from, from, uh, from the great one himself there, Brandon. And I think it's, it's certainly the one that I'd want to wax more poetic on, but for the sake of uh, diversity on the answer, um, I'll just say, you know, 
that I don't think we've seen good rust for about a year now. A little bit early in the season, game yeah. one, parts of game two. It's been almost a year since we've seen good since we've seen good rust, and that's and that's a long time. Uh, we're just just not saying not saying it's Geno Smith time. Don't don't over, don't overshoot that, folks, um, or overthink it. Just saying that uh, I don't th- I don't think at this point it's finger related, uh, which is we'll have to see how this this goes. He's but not seeing all, wide open dudes. Th- things are things yeah, correct, right? Um, so to give a different answer though, um, I, I would want to go to our linebackers. However, the fact that it was that they, that the uh, WFT were seventeen for nineteen. You know, going against the linebackers, I don't really put that on Bobby or Jordan Brooks. I put that on scheme to uh, to do a little homage for uh, Mr. Adam there. Um, I thought Brooks looked pretty good after the first quarter in that I, game. I think I think he did as well. So it's, it's like I, I want that to get cleaned up, but I don't think the accountability is there because I, I think it's I think it's how they're schemed and people are just dumping off or going right over the linebackers' heads. Um, so I'll go to the rookie. I'll go to a player that we could enjoy watching and say, I want to see a little more accountability with D. Eskridge's um, plays that are either off ball or when he does get the ball in his hands, what can he what can he do with the kickoff returns? Can we see more of that? If he gets a chance to, you know, fight for a first down or be more conscious of where he is in the field, can we see some more a little maturation there? He had that play where he did not get that first down, led to that DJ Dallas little flip play that was a disaster. And he missed a really bad block. He had a couple of nice ones, but he missed a really bad, bad block at a crucial spot later in the game on another uh, run to the right. So, you know, wanted to watch the rookie and wanted to see how the rookie can progress because let's face it, his entire rookie season has been just tilted with that, with that really bad concussion. It'll be something to, something to watch. He's not been helping your argument with Brandon that Schneider made the best pick there rather than the center that, and in fact, it, what what's that center's name again? It just slipped my mind, Brandon. Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey. He's been like the number one, number two center in the in the whole NFL this year, just about as far as like by a lot of metrics, snaps to snaps to sacks. Yeah. Anyway, and no, no, that a fair fair point. Um, you know that, that that's that's the that's that's the dude I went to war with, right? I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna ride or die with D, and, and it might be the wrong thing. I long think that's term, why but- I think that's why it keeps coming up is that Clinton is like I need to I need this not just for the team but for for but personally. Yeah, yeah. I need, I need to Brandon be didn't want to win this. Brandon didn't want to win this argument at this point. Uh, right, but it's, right, right. It's leaning that way. No, I got you. Let, and and again, I what? Hey, man, kickoffs. Let when D got back to the thirty yard line, so stinking fast. Let's see him get a seam. Give him a seam, and let's see what he could do against the uh, the whiners. Because um, that little pop. That little excitement is something that could bring people back around the Seahawks. Be like, okay, I see some good things here for for 2022, and I really, I really need that from D. Eskridge, man. All right. Well, this is just kind of a fun little question. I guess it's fun, and then we'll get to a more uh, opponent-related one. But thinking about whining, uh, whiners and losers, and of all the whining that losers can make. What grosses you out the most, Clinton? I mean, even maybe if it's the guy in the mirror, but what kind of whining grosses you out the most? <laughs> whining about the refs, whining about coaching, whining about luck, whining about health, singling out players and using empty name calling for why this goober ruined everything. What kind of whining do you find after you see it or hear it to be the most gross? I really dislike echo chamber whining. You know, the, uh, the that that kind of, you get louder as... You know, you find you find your bravery, quote unquote, as the mob rule grows around you. Um, the, oh, and, yeah. 
That's you know, a so, good point. Yeah. So that kind of whining, it's like, I understand it, it becomes um, the, the attraction to, to speak up and speak louder and feel like you're part of the club. Um, and it may be actually the braver thing to, if you actually have a counter point of view, to go express that, whatever that is in a discord or, or social media or amongst your friends uh, you know, over coffee. Um, I'm not saying to be a contrarian, not, a, oh, I have to be a contrarian because that's, that's another form of the same thing. But you're right. Some of the very worst lines of thinking, some of the most irrational lines evolve from that mob thought of we're all mad and let's all just beat this horse into the ground. And it gets it actually makes people sound dumber and dumber to where I almost want to jump on the other side just because it gets crazy. It gets crazy when they start whining in that kind of way. But which one of those areas is the that that that's a great answer. I like the way you put that, Clint. Did you have something else on that one? I was just going to say, like, it gets to the hey, Daniel Jones and two first round and two first picks for for like it gets to that kind of point. You know, it's like it's like, no, I don't want Dan. No, no thank you. I live I live close to New York. I don't want a dude who fumbles the ball two times a game as an average. Right. Like two turnovers are a game. No, thank you. Like it could just it's like you're saying, though, it could lead you down these nonsensical paths not saying, hey, we got to stay the course and nothing, there's no changes are needed, et cetera, et cetera. That might not be the case either. But when you just join the mob rule, you typically end up in a really just uneducated place. You know, I'm along those similar lines in that I, the things that, that bug me the most is the whining about something that it's not going to happen right away. So, mm. you know, like with, say, this team, plays horribly down the stretch and it's it's clear that you know it's time for Pete to go I, I just I don't need to be calling for Pete Carroll's job with seven games left to go in the season there's still a lot of season left and even if it becomes obvious there's a time for me to have that discussion and it's closer to the end of the season because I I just I don't see um why would the team make a mid-season change at this point based on everything that Coach Carroll's done for this team? I, I'm not going to be whining about why haven't the Seahawks yet fired so-and-so uh, in, a, in a season that's not going to result in the playoffs anyway. And, and Phil, I want to add one more thing. is It's also like I'm not calling out people that may have had that position far previous because, you know, like Hong Kong Hawk, Bloomy. He's been on the he's been on the fire Pete bandwagon for probably two seasons. Yes, it's about uh yeah exactly at least two seasons right. And uh, Eric from the Seahawks Nest podcast, not about firing somebody there th when they did the season preview. He he was of the mind. He's like he's like I think this is a blow it up year. He that was their season preview, and he was like here's why. And he laid sure. out his he laid out this is what I think is good. You know I see here, and that was more like a middling team that's not going to get over the hump. And it's better to, you know, sever sometimes and start anew in some ways with what you do have. So it's not the dudes who have been like out out ahead of that because hey, that's your position. Yeah. Um, and it's not that you can't change your mind. It's just the it's the the incessant glomming on, and then it just it just kind of gets it kind of gets, you know, weaker and weaker arguments as the next person joins is is really really grinds my gears, man. Yeah, I think whether it's refs or coaching or luck or health or whatever it is. I think what we got to be careful of is if we have like this rut, things aren't going the way we like, and we just go back to throwing a fit about the same thing over and over. I like complaining about the refs, so I, I'm going <laughs> to continue to do that. that. I don't know if that was a shot that you were trying to say that, uh, you know, Brandon needs to stop whining about the refs all the time. 
But, <laughs> exactly uh, what it was, I, Brandon. I, that's part of the game for me. That, that's what do I. That's what I enjoy doing. Of course, I was there with you, so I must have been preaching it myself because <laughs> that that end of that half was as bad as I've seen. I think we all could coalesce around as Seahawks fans and collectively be like, "It has been a rotten year for for like quote unquote ref luck." Just the way it has yeah. been atrocious. What what's you know it's. It's it's of course nothing's as bad as the the Steelers Super Bowl, but it's a lot a lot of games like that in a row. It's the it's the first it, which time I've just, ever heard Pete even act that way about it. That's first in all his years where he's like, man, we just got the call in the other way on so many times. <laughs> yeah, trash. So then I felt a little more kind of validated, but I still don't want to just get in a rut on any of these things for sure. Right. Well. Here's another question, and, you know, Mookie on the field goals side, he writes this awesome uh, article after every game about winners and losers, and we're talking about whiners and losers. What if Mookie was writing his article for Niners Nation, winners and losers, for the Hawks to win, which players need to end up in the loser column this week, Brandon? For the 49, which 49ers players need to end up in the loser column? Pick whatever running back they uh, intend Mitchell? to feature. I, I would I would go with Mitchell. Mitchell seems to be having the the best uh, stretch for for them currently, and he would be my pick because this this game, if they're going to have success, it's going to be on his back. You know whether it's picking up those four those six yard gains. If he's playing that that similar role that we saw Washington, you know, being able to to feature multiple backs and he's a part of that, I I think Mitchell is the guy that you're going to have to shut down for the Seahawks. And so if he's in the loser column, come Monday, it's it's going to be a good thing for the Seahawks. How about you, Clinton? Who needs to what Niners need to be in the loser column for us to have success against the- yeah, And by the way, Fred Fred Warner is not playing either, right? right? So going along with how are they going to whine about uh, when they lose? Um, you know, it's going to be well, we didn't have our two best players, so good. What would he do? You know, and and sure, and uh, and that might be accurate. Um, I think it's going to be if if they lost, we can, when they lose, when they that's hard to say when they <laughs> lose. Um, we're not running the ball very well, uh, duh. Um, so I don't think it's going to be like oh, we push them around there. So if we were and when we win this game. It's good. There's going to be some scapegoat. So I'm going to go with like the, the Josh Norman of the world or, or the, or, you know, uh, Jacuski Tart. I think he's healthy, right? I think he's back. Like, so Tart gets burnt deep. Maybe it's a game where like the, the sexy deep ball comes back and we get a touchdown and maybe like a touchdown plus another 40 yard gain to set up a game winning field goal or something like that. And it's, it's a combination of like, they can look at their DBs and be like, you dudes, you dudes cost us the game. Um, so I think they would be in, if we win, when we win, I think we've got to throw the ball on these guys because of stats and our efficacy. Um, so that leads me to say, it's going to be the DB group. That's going to be like, yeah, you guys were losers, losers on Sunday. All right. Last category, last category, call the wambulance. And I'm going to say Apple spell check needs to do better because I type in wambulance for my questions, and it just keeps changing it. It hasn't heard of a wambulance, so now I'm whining. Now I need now. So is it is it just ambulance with a W up front? Is that the correct? Is that the proper oh, yeah. spelling? Okay, that's exactly how it should have been spelled. I, I thought everybody knew that. Wouldn't there be a W H? Oh, like, so like, you're saying I didn't spell wambulance properly? I don't, I don't properly. know. I, I do not know the proper spelling. 
I think there's like a little last Christmas, a little, you know, uh, wham, the, the band wham, right? Wham. So wham, yeah. wambulance to me is W-H-A-M. That's how I'd spell it. So we can tell Tim Cook not to fire the spell check person for my computer, I guess. But <laughs> let's, let's call the wambulance. What if the wambulance is coming for the faithful again? And by the way, faithful, I mean, that kind of makes you crack up. That gets an F grade because... They're about the least faithful fans that I've ever seen that you don't see any Niner gear unless their team's above 500. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is. And then around the country, the Niners are winning all the Niner gear. You see it everywhere. Then it all goes away. But anyways, what if the Wambulance is coming for him? For the Hawks to defeat Kyle and Jimmy and George and Nick, well, and there's no Fred, but for them to beat, to defeat them again, do you think it'll be more because of Russ or some of the other position groups. Yeah, I know you've already on record as saying you don't think we're going to win. But if we do, you think it's just Russ comes out dynamite, or maybe it's going to be some other uh, uh, surprising position groups showing up for us. So the the groups the groups that have to show up are we're going to have to stop their run game. Elijah Mitchell Mitchell is a good back. They run black quite well. Um, they do look better, by the way. You watch their offense the last. Four, three, four games. It is it. They just look better. Again, Debo not being there. That is a big. That's a big piece of the pie missing. I'm very happy about that. Um, so it's while I was saying earlier, I think the goats will be the DBs, which means Russ is is having obviously having some success, and I think some deep ball success on, on top of that. Where I'll go to is the other side is we'll be looking at. Another really stellar game from the Al Woods, Puna, Monet trifecta. I mean, they played Al Woods. How many, what do you have? Five, five run stops? We didn't even mention his name, Brandon, in, in the last three and three out. Old Thigh Arms played a heck of a game. Uh, and, and it's just like, you know, we're going to need that. We're going to need more of that. Now, will the Niners be, I would say, dumb enough to just not carbon copy what every other team has done so far, which is, the first down tosses where they just get six, seven, eight, 12 yards for free, kind of frustrating. Um, they they may. They run the ball quite a bit. They may. Uh, if they do, they're not watching uh, what other teams are doing. So in that way, you know, the Al Woods trio, I'll call it that. It sounds like a nice, a nice base, uh, base driven, uh, you know, little, I was going to say a quartet, but that would break. <laughs> it's not a trio, but the Al Woods trio would be doing the most damage. You know, since Clinton mentioned that. Fred Warner is going to be out for this game. It, my mind is going to the Seahawks offense and Seahawks tight end Gerald Everett because yes. we, we've started to see this build. We, we, we've seen his influence build up over these last few weeks. When he gets the ball, he's extremely physical. He's even been, I think, leading receiver. Uh, not last week because that was Tyler, but... Um, I, I think he has that ability. And, and so with Warner out, I, I think that that gives them that opportunity to really go heavy there. And, and that can even open it up for guys like DK for Tyler Lockett and, and to really beat up this secondary too. And yeah, I, I'm with you, Clinton. I think this needs to be a game where they focus more on, on the passing attack. And and whether or not, you know, they can get those those short, those medium throws involved. I, I think it's 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 going to be those throws to a guy like Gerald Everett that that really helps move the sticks early on and getting them into those favorable third downs, which they haven't really been able to get into. And, and that's what's been killing the drives. 
Brandon, I, I, I got I to gotta ask, though, you know, I love the thought and I want it to be true. But uh, what part of the field does Fred Warner typically patrol? Typically the middle of the field. And where and where don't we throw the darn ball? I I think that normally you would avoid that area in, in so playing would the avoid Niners. It. Russ doesn't throw it there. I like, haven't even seen Everett catch one of his electrifying grabs in the middle of the field. He's had a lot of great plays, but aren't they all outside the well, hashes? the touchdown was kind of, of toward the yeah. middle of the field. The touch, the touchdown was that, that was, I'll give you that. But all, most of his stuff where he's breaking away, it's, it's stuff to the flats or just little outs that he's able to turn a field. So I'm, I'm with you in spirit, but I don't see it. I just, Damian Lewis playing. I mean, I don't know how Russ can throw in the middle of the field when he's got a, when he has uh, when he has guards that can't pick up stunts in front of him and is getting the pressure from the middle, yes. Well, you know the the thing is too, they don't have to run plays toward the middle of the field. It, they can actually move Russell Wilson uh, to the left, to the right, move that pocket so he's not just a sitting duck in the pocket when the defensive line does run stunts. Yeah, come back against the grain a little bit, let them stunt, then they open that up and then just drop a nice one in there too. Mr. General Electric Power Company himself. <laughs> we dig it. Well, I hope, Brandon, I hope you're correct about that one. Love to see a more blow up game and use of, of Everett over the middle. That'd be awesome. All right. Last question. Last question. If the Hawks can win. So here we're talking about calling the ambulance for the Weiner faithful. If the Hawks can win and maybe what if they can win decisively? I know that sounds unlikely, but if they win, tell us the reasons this Okay, I'm trying to help us get excited about this game because I think there's reason to. Tell us the reasons this could be the most satisfying win in this entire decade we're now in. Since the invention of something almost as bad as Seahawks losing seasons, and I'm looking at you, COVID, since that, why will this be the greatest win since our world-changing pestilence, Brandon, if we can win and go undefeated against the Niners here this season. Are, are you saying that this may be our Super Bowl for this season? Is is this game against the Niners that that uh, having two victories over this team, that that would get our fan base so excited that that's what we need right now? Is, is that what we're going with? Well, that's a leap. That's a leap there. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, in the in the 2020s, why this could be the most fun and enjoyable win that we've had. Maybe you're not with me. Maybe you say that's crazy. I'm not saying Super Bowl because that later will be the most exciting win in the decade, you know, sometime in this decade. But at, up to this point, why might this be the most fun game to win? I, All the reasons. I do believe that the Seahawks can and will win this game because the, I look at the things that our defense has been doing well. They've been stopping the run well on the whole. Now, obviously, they were giving up some of those the long drives uh, to, the, to the Cardinals, uh, to the football team. But I, I do think that, that, that Jimmy can have those, those bad games and you put him in those third, uh, thir those third down positions. And so if... If the Seahawks defense is successful to the point that they're shutting down uh, that that running game and not having Debo, I I think that the 49ers could struggle against the Seahawks sure. defense to really move the football, and and that could that could make a long day for them. 
I agree. But why will it be so fun for us to win? Why can't it be the approach? Because that we it's take? the Niners and yes. they're fun to beat. <laughs> yes. How about I you, always enjoy just and the other th- and the thing about this is it's ending this this three game winning streak that they're on there because they are. You listen to fans and they just think that, oh, here they are. Shanahan's got them going. They're rolling. And, you know, they beat the Rams. They're feeling good. The the teams that they've played these last three weeks, I, you know, that's it's not impressive to beat the Jaguars. And I say that as a team, as the one win out of our last seven games being against yep. the Jaguars. That's that's not impressive. And yeah, OK, you always lose uh, or the, the Rams always lose to the Niners. So is that impressive? And, you know, Kirk Cousins being unclutch. Can you really be impressed? So, yeah, this three-game streak, I am ready to just throw a wet blanket on the 49ers' <laughs> That's playoff right. hopes. Let's end our streak and end their streak. Yes. How about you, Clinton? Why can it be so fun if we can win and look good doing it? So I dig I dig all of that because I love, you know, I won't, I love I love doing doing you know what in their Cheerios, right? It's like uh, it's a great it's a great concept. It would really be great to deflate them, bring them back down to earth. However, I will I will say, going back to the question, it's you were like, what if we win and win decisively? It's like okay, so let me take that let me let me take that a step forward. That means that means to me, I go I you know me, I go to numbers. That means we we win the game 31-20. That's a decisive win. And we had two we had scores. A, and we yeah. had to score a lot. We had to, you know, we had to get into the high 20s, low 30s. And they got to so, the 20 on their last possession, and it was just a garbage time <laughs> touchdown. Yes, yes, yeah. Love it. Love, love all that. Correct. You know, we, we won. It, it, we're the better team. There was no doubt about it. How is that going to make us feel? Why will that be so awesome? Yeah, and the reason all of that will matriculate, I think that's being used correctly, um, in the in the sense of why this will be such a, a important and fun win is because we will point back to it and go, that's when Russ got back to being Russ. There you like, go. And that could be something to be like, hey, throw all this nonsense out the window, even if the rest of the season's a little bit up and down, whatever it is. If he does that and we come out with a 31-20 victory and Russ is something like, oh, I don't know, 20, yeah, 23 for 29, three touchdowns, 317 yards. Adrian no Peterson turn- has two touchdowns <laughs> running the ball. D. Eskridge gets his first NFL touchdown, kick return and receiving. It's no, a, hey, Ian Rappaport dumb. can spike the football in the fact that he's reporting that the Seahawks are in win now mode. <laughs> Yeah, what was that? Was he totally just absolutely trolling us? That's all that I could think. Must have been trolling, I think. I think. But that but that'll be it. We will be so pumped up and uh, you know, just believe in Russ again. And that that's an important thing. Listen, I know how my stomach felt when we started that drive that ended with the Swain touchdown. I was like, I, I was like, we're gonna do this. I was like, yeah. holy crap, he's it's going to happen. And the game was so depressing in, in terms of a sports game. And yet the last few moments were like, holy crap, if we pull this off, we are back. All right. Now that didn't happen. The season's pretty much gone. Yeah, it is. Yep. But can we, but can we get that rust magic back? Can we get that rust magic? Cause that will be fun. And every game can be fun when we don't have to covet only getting postseason wins again, where we can just look at the game and look at what it means to beat the Niners. My playoffs right now for this team is to not finish in last place and to put the Niners there. So if, that, the, if yeah. that happens, then that, that from here on out, it's a success for me. 
I am 100% with you. That's that's the see that's the goal at this point. Put the Niners in last place. Well, everybody, happy undefeated season against the Winers, my fellow 12s and gentlemen, what if we say go Hawks? Go Hawks. Go, go Hawks. Hawks.